0: She said Michael, um, you know, I, I can see big things in your life. I'm thinking, mm, what do you mean by that, Grandma? No, you, you're going to change people's lives. I can see it. Maybe she's a Clairvoyant. I don't know. I'm nine years old, and I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I mean, she goes, No. What do you do when you do reach a certain height in your given I can't remember the words exactly she used, but uh, and her, and whatever, I, whatever I do, I did um, promise you one thing. And I said, what's that, Grandma? She goes, you're born with two hands, one to receive, one to give back. And that really struck me. And that was going back 40 years ago. I still remember the conversation.
1: That was Michael Campbell, and this is Doug at the podcast. Welcome to episode 55 of Dug It with Michael Campbell, the golfer, the US Open champion, the wonderful human being and a part-time cook as well. He's a passionate foodie after a few years away from the game. He's been in the kitchen and with his family in Spain and his golf academy. And so when I found out he was coming back for the 100th edition of the New Zealand Open and to play on the senior tour this year, I just had to get in touch. And I reached out via the internet the next thing. You know, what I knew was he was playing in uh, tiari up in Taraiti, the golf course, and then Kari Cliffs with Bowden Barrett and some of the boys, and then himself and his fiancée Gunnell happened to have a night free and could come stay at a wonderful lodge in Tiare. It's the most beautiful lodge. That's just a little plug for the lodge, but it is fantastic up here. The pool, the gym, the food. And in particular, the food is what Michael was really passionate about. As soon as he turned up, he was the first man in the apron and he was straight into the kitchen wanting to learn how to uh, finesse an aioli and get on the barbecue. And he was the first one into the kumara fries and enjoyed a uh, bottle of wine with us all. Uh, really passionate about food, wine and hospitality and just passionate about life in general, which he talks about in the podcast. So many great insights into his story and uh, what it takes to be a great golfer and to live a balanced life and to just be enthusiastic about every day. And yeah, it was just such a great joy to to meet Gunnell and Michael and to share this podcast with you. And to celebrate, we're going to give away some tickets, well, by we, uh, myself and the guys from New Zealand Golf and give away some tickets to the 100th New Zealand Open, it's going to be a fantastic event I've just come back from Queenstown actually playing Millbrook and the Hills and they're just the most beautiful courses in the most beautiful part of the world, except for Tiari. after Tiari I think it's Queenstown, they're both, <laughs> it's like the yin and the yang, but fantastic, just fantastic golf courses, the New Zealand Open is just a world class event, Michael's going to be playing this year, they're like some Mike Hendry, Ryan Fox who's our top golfer at the moment who's in the top 100th in the world and he's also been on the podcast Uh, local lad ben campbell so many great golfers so really excited to get down there myself and watch michael and the team in action and to check out many of the golf courses and so we'd love to share that opportunity with you we're going to give away some tickets to the New Zealand Open and all going well. Some golf at Arrowtown and potentially Jack's Point as well. Jack's Point was Michael's favorite course in New Zealand, he said. And I've heard Arrowtown is just fantastic, one of the best. So, just talking to those guys, going to try and sort out some golf for the winners of the ticket. So, follow my social media, Doug it on Instagram, and you'll find all the details there. But we'll get straight into this episode, which covers everything off from his grandmother who is a medicine woman and just a great wise lady and inspiration in his life to uh, his passion with Porsches and and giving himself a Porsche for winning the US Open, the story behind that to Bowdoin Barrett and what he needs to work on with a short game and just so many great stories. I also managed to get uh, a little golf tip myself. I'm making a bit of a comeback this year and uh, actually going to be trying to play the US Open, uh, New Zealand Open qualifying shortly, so you never know I could be in the field with him, all going well but I asked him, you know, just what's a simple tip around the grip, because it's such a fundamental uh, aspect of the goal swing, I think Jack Nicholas said 99% of, or 90% of a good swing is made in the setup and the foundation, and that includes the grip and he was a big believer in gripping the left hand having the club really in the fingers of the left hand because that gave you much more control And the club didn't slide around or get loose if it was too far in the palm, that would often be the case. So it kind of helped fix my grip up. So hopefully that'll pay dividends and that might help your game too. But here is the man himself, without further ado, Mr. Michael Campbell. That was a. Uh, Mum's coffee. I think I did one and then I think Mum made one as well. I think you got her one, mm. but we got organic A2 milk and the Kakaka organic coffee. What's, what's the. How, how do you have your coffee in Spain? Oh, <laughs> I don't know, mate. I just don't I know? Just, I
0: know. I don't know. It's just <laughs> one of those things you just drink. <laughs> but this is much better.
1: Um, and. Well, thank you for taking the, the time. It's pleasure, yeah. Thanks and for
0: uh, thanks very much for this um, wonderful opportunity to stay here at your your lodge. Incredible, incredible place. I love the idea with everything being organic, and the rooms are sensational. And so, thanks, thanks a lot, mate.
1: Oh, it's um, it's kind of what makes it worthwhile is sharing it with.
0: Yeah, absolutely, with, with absolutely. Yeah, that's I love being back home. Is that you know these. So many things I miss, I've been travelling since I was 21 years old, um, around the world. So 29 years of travelling, nearly. And uh, I miss just being at home, and uh, the nature, the the birds, the food, obviously, obviously my family, and it's just simple things in life I've missed over the last 29 years since I've been a professional golfer, but um, it's been worth it.
1: Yeah, and on that, I love to start with, like, gratitude and And just to kind of set the tone as well and and what are you grateful for at the moment being back in NZ and with your beautiful fiance and
0: yeah I'm just grateful that you know I'm, I'm healthy, my kids are healthy, my fiance's healthy, my family's healthy you know I think the simple things really just being home and enjoying the my homeland and the simple things um, i'm grat- i'm full, full of gratitude to um, and have a wonderful, pretty good career. I'm about to start again <laughs> and, uh, next month at the New Zealand Open, celebrating 100 years. Um, I'm grateful for just um, you know, just waking up in the mornings. You know, uh, I'm grateful for, for the the career I had, winning a major. I'm grateful for lots of things. So,
1: and what's the? Because I'm just getting back into the the golf see myself and feeling that excitement and the competition again and, and is that, what's the excitement for you of going to the senior tour and playing the New Zealand Open and is it the camaraderie, is it the competition, is it the just it's, see it's, what you can do?
0: It's definitely competing Doug, I love <laughs> competing that's one thing I've missed over the last six years since I retired is um, competition um, but it's given me a uh, a uh, great opportunity to reconnect with my, my two boys, you know, because on tour I was always away 30 weeks of the year for most of their lives. And over the last six years, yeah, six years or so, I've picked them up from school, watched them play sport, cooked for them, you know, the simple things. Once again, it's a simple, always go back to the simple things in life. And yes, yeah, so I have missed competing. But um, it's given me the wonderful opportunity to reconnect with my boys because I was away for most of the time as a father. And it's a very important time too. There were, I think, 13 and 14, so teenage years, and I was there for them the last six years, so it's been wonderful.
1: Yeah, and that's really the formative, um, when you form your personality and your sense of self and and... I was amazed last night how you said you had this sense of purpose and golf from six years old and being a Maori mm-hmm. boy and, and from Hara and um, where do you think that that came from, that um, kind of determined vision and, and passion just to, to follow follow that purpose or
0: I think it came within. I think it has to. Um, I was surrounded by a lot of um, uh, wise people. Um, one was my grandmother. Um, um, she was a, a medical doctor. She used to use the, the land to fix people. When I was a kid growing up, I used to spend a lot of time with my, my grandmother. I remember when I was eight, nine years old, um, I used to lie on the Sit on the couch with her and roll. She used to I'd smoke a lot. and She used to have her own little rollies. You know, those little rollies you roll up yourself. I used to help her roll her cigarettes. And she used to talk to me a lot about life. A uh, very, very wise woman. And people used to come, you know, with some sort of illness or illness. And she used to go to the garden, pick her herbs and give it to this person. They'll go away. And people will come at three in the morning to come and see her. So she wasn't, you know, she was like a local... Uh, medicine woman, or yeah, medicine woman, yeah, <laughs> pretty good, cool, but very, very, very spiritual. And so, I'm sitting there, I'm eight, nine years old, rolling her cigarettes and just talking about life and and the philosophies about life and that sort of stuff. And and most of it's going out of my head because I'm eight, nine years old. And she said, Michael, um, you know, I, I can see big things in your life. I'm thinking, hmm. What do you mean by that, Grandma? No, you're going to change people's lives. I can see it. Maybe she's a clairvoyant. I don't know. I'm nine years old, and I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I mean, she goes, "No, what do you do when you do reach a certain height in your given?" I can't remember the words exactly like she used, but and in what I, in whatever I do, I did. Um, Promise you one thing, and I said, "What's that, Grandma?" She goes, "You were born with two hands—one to receive, one to give back." And that really struck me, and that was going back 40 years ago. I still remember the conversation. So she instilled all that confidence in me. She'll say to me every every time I see her, "Michael, I can see you do big things in this in this world." I mean, I I played golf, but not, I mean, I was off, didn't have a handicap, but she saw this thing, I don't know what it was. Um, So, you know, I always go back to that story, and that's what, um, because I I believe you are who you are through your past experiences, um, your environment that you are brought up with, and, you know, I was very lucky to have a lot of support around me, support system around me, a lot of friends, a lot of mentors, as we said last night, Um, obviously family and friends, but my my grandmother was definitely paved the way for me, you could say, uh, with just telling me constantly, constantly, every time I saw her, we had the same conversation over and over again, I'm thinking, Grandma, not again, please, you know, and it really stuck with me, so maybe, maybe, I don't know, I I really don't know, but um, she was right in, in some sort of sense. And then I've given, given the opportunity to actually give back to the game and also to make a change. You know, uh, we spoke last night about um, a couple of initiatives I had in, in Australia. Um, so it's kind of cool to be in that position to make a difference in people's lives.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating because one of the questions I've, at, I first wrote down was um, what kind of Mouldy wisdom or family wisdom did you have and and, and 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 yeah that's so special and how do you think that do you provide that for your boys now cuz we've often lost that connection to the elders and or to our family and people are maybe more dispersed and less appreciative of grandmas wisdom and that kind of thing and
0: <coughs> yeah well, I think I think it's changed a lot over the years but my goodness with you know, with, with the internet especially. You know, it's, you can't, you know, I see it so, so often that it really disappoints me. A family goes out to a restaurant and the kids are, the kids are on, the, on the phone. It's so sad. And you know, people have lost, or well, the kids, sorry, this generation have lost the, the wisdom or the, uh, the, the ability to uh, communicate. To spell, for example we were saying last night to spell. <laughs> you got the corrective text you know it's just it, 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 you know look technology is obviously the internet is fantastic and we need it but it needs its place I think you it needs to be put in its place and I've seen it I see it all the time now in restaurants it's really sad and it starts from there when you lose the communication between the families and the kids it goes on to the grandparents and that sort of stuff so um, you know it's up to the I think it's the Responsibility, what well, is the responsibility of the parents to take over and take control, even at a very young age? Mm. But, you know, it's, the, it's a peer pressure of Instagram and, and uh, you know Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. Look, I, I'm guilty as well, but I've spent a lot of time on the phone and, and on the internet, but sometimes you need to do it through for more, uh, for certain particular reasons, but um, I'm trying to cut back every single time.
1: Mm-hmm. And and you were t- talking about environment before, th- you know, how powerful that is and the people you're around. Is there, if we're kind of the average of the five people we spend the most time with, are there five people or a group of people that you'd like to spend your time with is in terms of lifting your golf game or your um, appreciation of life or your just enjoyment?
0: Yeah, I, I think... Um... Well, I think to just well for me it's a little bit different now because you know I'm turning 50 soon seniors tour it's the only it's the only sport really you have a second chance you know Mm. you know if you're a rugby player or football player tennis player whatever it's going to be excuse me once you're 35 you're done but in golf, you know, I'm, I'm turning fifty soon, and I've got another chance to go out there and play and play with my friends. Um, so, you know, I just need uh, once again my old team back together again, my 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 caddy, my my coach, and I'll see my, my i love to see my boys see me win uh, when I won all, the, all, my, all my tournaments. They're too young to appreciate it. Uh, now they're asking more and more about my wins. They're asking about obviously about the U.S. Open. They were there. But they can't remember. They were like, mm. you know, three and five or something like that, maybe. Um, so I want them to see Dad win a golf tournament. Um, yeah, so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm playing a lot over the last, um, especially this week in New Zealand. I've played every day. I think it's fantastic. I'm playing my sponsor, Manuka Doctor. Playing at Close uh, Tauriti. Playing back home, I love being home. Uh, I really, I think the more time I spend away from home, when I do come home, I appreciate it even more so. Mm. Uh, Just the simple things like power fritters. Mm. (laughs) I love my power fritters. Mum's power fritters.
1: It's the best. And how was it with the play with Bowden Barrett? Is there too? And he's pretty handy. Left yeah, hander, yeah. Isn't he's, he? a,
0: he's a lefty. He's got a couple of things to work on. Uh, obviously, he's a very talented rugby player, but his chipping needs to be worked on. His putting, <laughs> uh, his swing isn't perfect. It's getting there. No, no. Look, um, the thing I love about uh, this game of golf that you know, I can, I can step on to the golf course. or Bowdoin can step on the golf course and compete against me because we have a handicap system. I can't step on the rugby field and can play against Broden Barrett. No way. So that's where it's a great leveller, I think, mm-hmm. golf. You know, any age, male, female, you know, I can play against you, for example. Uh, I can play against, you know, anyone. And that's where it's such a, a great leveller. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't play against uh, Roger Frederick in a, in a tennis match or race against Lewis Hamilton, can you? But in golf, you can, you can that's where I think it's such a great game. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it, it really caters for everyone, on all abilities. Doesn't matter how good or bad you are.
1: And and on that, because I, I realised that was the big component I missed was the, the five guys I kind of grew up playing with every day. And that and I was like, what's missing? It's that camaraderie and those people. And I saw the photo you had on your wall and uh, your coaching clinic in Spain, and it was yourself, Ernie Owls, I think Nick Price, and, 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 Greg, and, and Greg Norman. Greg Norman, yeah. And and a lot of those guys are turning fifty this year as well. And going the senior tour, uh, who who are the guys on tour that you love to play with, or that you're looking forward to catching up with again? Or
0: yeah, well, um, all my mates, uh, Australian and South African, uh, Ernie Els and Retief Goose are my, my best mates on tour. Um, Adam Scott, he's too young. Uh, pff- there's, there's a bunch of guys, uh, you know, Darren Clark Lee Westwood. Um, but yeah, Goose, Retief, and I were probably one of my closest mate on tour. So it'd be good to see those guys again. It's been, you know, I do keep in contact with them, um, but it'd be good to see them again, uh, hang out with them, and play some golf and kick the asses again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because Retief, you are. Uh... He was leading the US Open when you won it. I yeah, it's think, a, it's a funny
0: story behind that. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, he's obviously a very good friend of mine and um, defending champion. And before the last round, we're sitting having lunch together. You know, we hang out because we were best mates. And he was leading by four, I think, from me. And he was like, he was, And I, I conceded, I didn't tell him that. But and we just talked about, you know, how's, how's Tracy, his wife, how's the kids. And he was asking me about my kids. And we're just talking just the general stuff that mates do talk about. But obviously there was a, the elephant in the room sort of thing. But we tried to avoid that because we tried to just keep it nice and simple and just you know, get away from the subject of golf and just think about other things. And, but during the conversation, he seemed very calm. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to – if I finish top five, I'll be happy. Rafiq's going to win this. To win his third U.S. Open, I'm just going to go out there and play. And top five, top three, we're bonus. And then after six holes, I found myself leading the Open, uh, the U.S. Open. I'm thinking, oh, this has changed now. I, I felt sorry for them because he's, but you know, I was determined to win this. And I think nine holes to play, I, I had a, a one-shot lead against Tiger, and that was fun. That was a lot of fun to see because he was playing in front of me. Uh, but I'm going to forget this I say this a lot actually And I want to say it again I remember standing on the 10th tee And Tiger had a um, A ruling No sorry, his partner had a ruling So that's 5 minutes, right? Well 5 minutes seems like 5 hours Standing there on the tee Waiting He's in front of me middle of the fairway par 5 He's going to make birdie um, And then during those 5 minutes You can think a lot, can't you? But this one sentence came from, I don't know, the golfing gods or my grandmother who passed away a long time ago. She said or they said or, anyway, this thing came to me was, um, um, see this as an opportunity, not a threat. One simple sentence. And all of a sudden I just thought, yeah, let's have some fun here see this as an opportunity not a threat it's that um fight or flight you know you run towards trouble or run away from trouble i've decided to run towards trouble towards tiger and, and and that trouble there and i i i felt so in control it was it was scary just through because you know i believe you have a choice through through the words you speak the thoughts you have you know i like visualise to empty cup filling up all this positively until it's all overflowing, so nothing can get in. Because trust me, that last last line holes, last nine holes, was the toughest. I had to be to get over the line. Because, as I said, you can have a choice, this way or that way. And I decided to go the right way. And but it was a battle. It was a mental mental battle. You know, look, you can have all your swing in a certain. Parameters or how it should work, should function for you. You, you. But it comes down to the mental fortitude. That's the bottom line in golf. Well, any sport really. But that um, it was. It's good that I um, managed to see uh, to to bend by. I think a couple of shots towards in.
1: Did you did you get a chance to play with him competitively? Mm-hmm. At all, to, and how was that as an experience? Because that was when he was at his peak as well.
0: Um, yeah, you know, I, actually, I actually feel blessed. People say to me, well, aren't you a bit mad about, you know, playing in the same year as Tiger? Oh, no, it's fantastic to be there, play with them so often. We're drawn together all the time. Because my peak was from, you know, from 99 to 2006 or something. And his was like 97 to 2008. And oh, it, was just, it was a huge privilege for me to play with him on a lot of occasions. To watch him play and, and the crowd's reaction and, and it's great to see him come back again winning on the on the PGA Tour last year mm. but yeah, it was, it was a huge honour for me to play with him um, I could have, you know, I could have won more <laughs> tournaments because we were head to head and he, you know, on three or four occasions um, he won four of them, I won, I won two of them so it was not a bad ratio.
1: But because I'm reading his book at the moment, it's fascinating the the backstory, but um but I noticed a lot of it was just how focused he was, and you mm. would have been the same at the time. but what what do you see because you've coached a lot of young aspiring really top players uh, what do you see as the difference between someone who really makes it um, and someone who maybe just doesn't quite crack through and is it, is it just that mental side?
0: Yeah, I mean, the first thing I look is, is their eyes um, to see if they're focused on, on on what they want to do in life. Uh, that's, that's the first thing, is their body language. Um, you know, and then, obviously, you go to the driving range and see, you know, hit balls. But the first thing I look at is their body language and their, and their look they have, that they're hungry enough. That's the biggest thing I find. I can determine whether they're going to make it or not make it. Whether these these kids, I got, you know, I got only seven now. Um, really, really, well not kids, like from 16 to 28 years old. <laughs> I'm calling them Michael's monsters. Um yeah, I can I can tell straight away. Whether they're driven by their parents. Uh, I told two kids to leave because they're there for the parents, not for them themselves. Um uh, Yeah I know It's it's fun And You may ask the question Why do I start a golf academy in Spain (laughs) Um, Well after retiring Back in 2013 I think it was I needed something to Get up in the morning to And After Excuse me After I won the US Open I went to President's Cup In 2005 This is three months After I won The US Open And Jack Nicklaus Was the captain Of the American team And Gary Player Was the captain Of the international team And we had a function On the Tuesday I just won The world match play As well And comes over to me And he said Michael You are the best player In the world right now Because I had a good Little run You know I said, thanks, thanks, Mr. Nicholas, thank you very much. And he goes, well done for winning the US Open. I said, oh, thanks, Mr. L- thank you, thank you. Like this, and, um, and he, his face changed. He goes, "He gave me a stern look in my eyes. He said, now you have responsibility to grow this game. You've got to grow this game. As a major winner, you've got to grow this game. And he walks off. So I stand there thinking, what was that? <laughs> and I thought, oh, jeepers, that's, that's quite deep. But he planted that seed. Grow the game. Grow the game. Golf academy. So when opportunity came along six years ago in, in southern Spain, um, I found this great location, and now I'm giving back to the game that's given me so much. And that's what he meant back in 2005. This is back in 2005. You know these things that you go along in your journey of life, and then there's certain snippets or certain a sentence or uh, a visual picture or something that sticks in your in your memory bank, right? And then it comes up. So I remember it's like my grandmother telling me when I was nine, ten years old, you know, you're gonna change the world, you're gonna make you're gonna do wonderful things in life. And I mean, that was a long time ago. Nicholas in two thousand and five, what's that, fourteen years ago, telling me, you know, you know, you gotta you have a, you got a responsibility to grow the game. So, you know. That's, that's about it, really.
1: <laughs> yeah. Our beliefs are just so powerful, aren't they? And um, is there a – I'm trying to think like because you seem someone who's like quite connected and spiritual and has these great beliefs. Is there a, do you have your own kind of spiritual practice or routine or something that grounds you? Because I was thinking like after a U.S. Open win and after it, it must be so easy to get carried away – and like,
0: well, funny enough, it's a good, very good question. After I won the US Open, three months later, I said to my manager, I want to come home. He goes, are you crazy? <laughs> I said, no, I want to come home. He goes, why? I said, because I want to share my success with my people. Not for myself. I didn't need the publicity, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> and so we did this tour around, uh, I think it was 14 days. It was hectic. It was it was crazy stuff and had a ticket type parade through Wellington you know um, went down to Queenstown to all these different schools and up to Auckland and the final place my last day um, of my tour was guess where Hara, my grandmother's place um, that was she's got oh, she had a look i or well, still got it it's a family home now. Three bedroom place, right? And there's like 20 of us. We've got tents everywhere. And, but I felt it was a way to, um, you know, say, you know, thanks, Grandma, for, for all the stuff you've, you know, to instil all this confidence in me, you know. Mm-hmm. So just, so my final day was at my grandmother's place or their farm in Partia. Pātea it was. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And... I'm not sure where to go from there. <laughs> but, um.
0: But no, with, see, the thing is, I, I don't um, visually say I'm spiritual, mm. but it's there somewhere. It's in, it's in there somewhere. Mm. And sometimes it needs to be rekindled a little bit.
1: Well, the, actually, that was the other piece of the question, which was uh, like, yes, men, you get, or when you're in a a position of privilege, or you what know, people can say, just say the right Well, I think it's the right thing to you and and not be authentic or not hold you accountable. Like I'm doing this men's group and it's so great because no one's above someone and if someone's done something that's in a relationship and their work and their sport or whatever and someone can call you out on it and pull you up to a higher level. Do you still have a lot of coaches and mentors? Absolutely. Now? It's uh,
0: it's It's most important to have a balanced life. Absolutely. To have people around you to say, hey, Michael, no, w- w- what are you doing? And because sometimes you get carried away. Sometimes when you're in a, at a certain level in, in your sport or whatever you're going to be in business, you get carried away in, and don't think about reality a little bit. You know. And you got, it's the most important thing is to re- rely on friends to pull you back down again. You go, no, what, what are you doing? You know, sort of thing. So it's very important.
1: And um, have you got a favourite... Investment you've made during your career it could be an investment in in time or money or um, even say a a trip or experience or it could just be an object or something that you carry with you that's been <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whew,
1: uh... we were talking about university last night and people spend four years often investing all this time and money in something which doesn't maybe doesn't add to their life I don't know whether there's a investment you've made that's really been worthwhile
0: uh there's nothing really stands out Doug. do no, that to be honest with you i, I think um I, I've, well, I've really enjoyed the last um six years to be honest it probably sounds strange not mm-hmm. <laughs> but i've really enjoyed just um making a difference in people's lives it was charity stuff and I said last, last night about a, mm. this uh, initiative I was doing in Sydney, you know, things like that. It's just been, you know, it's been more satisfying, I think, in the, than actually playing. Because when you play, it's quite a selfish thing. You're doing it for yourself, mm. really. You're doing it for your people as well and you, in your country. And it's, but it's ultimately for yourself because it's an individual sport. But, um, the last six years i'm I'm actually helping others mm. to to get better in their lives, whether it's through golf or whether it's oh, i don't know you know help raise money uh, it's been more rewarding i think in the last you know last ten years or so
1: mm. I'm just mindful we we'll, uh we've got breakfast being served up shortly Ooh, yes. and it's uh, gone fast i know. Oh, man, it's <laughs> So it's amazing you're talking about what you love, and just yeah, yeah. time He's passionate about it yeah. disappears. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got a big passion for food now too, which is great. Yeah. We're talking about dinner last night, yep. and your fondant recipe, and um, yep. and and even fly fishing. These other things you get up to. Um, so, what is it? What is what is a balanced day for you look like at the moment? Then, if you. are
0: a balanced day? Well, uh, well. over the last five, six years, I've been retired, so I haven't really played much golf. Just focus on my boys, really, and um, cooking them in dinners and stuff like that and fondants and stuff. You know, all my apps on my phone are cooking apps.
1: <laughs> and you said the punctual app as well, which I love. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah all uh, that punctual Instagram. Yes, I
0: know, yeah. Grammar. <laughs> grammar <laughs> police. <laughs> grammar police. It's just, I love grammar. I don't know why. I love grammar and cooking now uh, I know that's really weird But uh, now I'm going to Divert all my attention back to golf now Because I want to go there and play and win now, That's one thing I've missed is, is competing and winning and holding trophies And kissing trophies um, I did my, my passion was cooking and, and helping out others But now I've got to reverse that role Back to being the golfer Michael Campbell the golfer And the first one back is uh, First tournament Back in six years will be the Zealand Open, which is going to be held the last week of February, and celebrating 100 years. I mean, that's just incredible. If you think about it, I was actually looking at the US Open trophy. It's only 125, 120 years old, and the Zealand Open is 100 years old. So there you go. The, the, the Open trophy is 140 years old we are not far behind it. To have a tournament, people don't understand this, to have a tournament over 100 years, it's just phenomenal. And we have one now coming up in you know, New Zealand Open in Queenstown at the Hills. And I'm there. I'm not sure how I'm going to go. I have no idea. I haven't practiced. I've played a little bit and I haven't trained. So I'm there just to experience of being there, celebrating 100 years. That's, that's why I'm there. If and I win, if I make the cut, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> if I win, I'll be over the moon.
1: And and what does your process look like for getting yourself like you've got a big tournament coming up? What is, what do you do to pre, oh, pre- round? Do you
0: it, have a it would it'd be it be, be full on. I mean, I get back on uh, to Spain on the twenty f- first of twenty first of um, January, and I'll be go- I'll be training every day. Uh, to prepare for the Indian Open, so uh, I've got a month, five weeks to start training, um, play a lot, and see what happens.
1: And before a round, do you take an hour and you got a set routine in terms of your practice oh, and uh, your visualization yeah, or anything yeah. like that? I mean,
0: oh yeah, this is a whole process, whole process. Yeah. Whole process. Um, it's when I was playing, when I was active i had a uh, I had to get the golf course uh, well, for example, if I had like a nine o'clock tea time I'll be up at six probably forty five minutes with my trainer, have some breakfast, and then get to the golf course two hours before uh spend you know an hour warming up half an hour chipping, fifty minutes um, putting and then Play and then practice again. It was full on. It was mm-hmm. one one time I would explain my I was explaining my routine to come my, on my monsters. I'm thinking, God, that's mad. You know what I should do? But you had to do it. Mm-hmm. You had to go through this process to because you know always if you think about the process, not the outcome. That's the biggest thing I tell my my students now is that a lot of students are so focused on the outcome. For example, if you just focus on the process, in other words, you know, whether it's the backswing, downswing, the result will take care of itself. Whereas, when you start thinking about the process, or the, the sorry, the outcome, uh, you are not worrying about the present time. That's the, that's the consequence, right, of this. If you focus on the on your processes, that will take care of itself. And it's very hard to actually disconnect from your from your target. Mm. A lot of people are target orientated. Whereas I'm trying to teach the kids. They're not kids They're 24, 25 mm. years old um, To focus on this part here Because that will That will Be okay If you focus on
1: here Yeah, it's such a Great lesson The process is the prize this Is a saying I love And it's um, I remember the greatest coach He He didn't care what the result was He was like Did he play Better than last week Did he give it your? Did he do these um, Yeah, did you tick the boxes That you were meant to tick And I just think that's such a great message And but on the um, on your golf game too, what do you think your greatest strength was in in the on the course? Was it um, I, an I aspect had a, of your game? Was it Yeah, a I,
0: to- I mean, I, I remember uh, featuring. I remember winning the um, putting. Um, what do you call it? The putting.
1: Part, oh, putting stats. Putting stats for yep. like
0: three, four years or something like that. Oh wow! The putting was pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, my short game was good. My pitching was good. Which play was good Distance control of My irons Was good um, So I didn't have I mean it wasn't long I'm not long But um, pretty accurate Off the tee So I think when you When you have a certain Particular game You know some guys Are longer than others Shorter than others You're going to Strengthen your Your What you have And try and um, Strengthen the weaknesses As well But I had a, a Nice all round game bunker shots And stuff like that mm. But I remember uh, I was sitting down, funny enough, at Kerry Cliffs, with my coach, in 2000.
1: Was it Jonathan Yarwood? Yeah, Jonathan
0: yeah. Yarwood, yeah, yeah, that's right. And we were sitting down and I said, Jonathan, there's something missing in my game, there's something missing in my game. I, I know I can win a major, but there's something missing in my game. And we, th- we thought about it. And it was actually my, my, my wage play wasn't, it was good, but wasn't good enough to win a major. So we focused on that for like three or four years. And then...
1: And I don't think many people know that you're the only second player to win the major after pre qualifying, too. So yeah, you must that's be, right. You must have been playing crash hot coming in. To
0: no, 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 no. I was, I was playing terribly. <laughs> it's amazing how the game of golf is so wonderful because it can change. Uh, the first five weeks of, of the year, first six weeks of the year, I missed six cuts. I was playing horrible. So, this is in January. So, I flew to America to see Jonathan you with woodman coach in march and spent a whole month with him four weeks with him and we focused on this and then we found i don't know it was i can't remember what it was actually some some swing thought i can't remember what it was but it worked and then i started making cuts and top tens and so going into the u.s open i was i was playing okay but my putting was terrible um, so what he did on Tuesday, of the week of, these, of the uh, US Open, we went to a different golf course, which is like a half-hour an hour drive, called Pine Needles. I never forget this. So there's was no one around, no circus. It's a circus at majors, mm-hmm. just him and I on the putting green, and we're there for like three hours. And once again, we found a certain key thought. So going into going into uh, Thursday, I was you know I was quietly confident. And the funny thing I did, uh, <laughs> don't know why this did it, but I did it. I um, I love cars, right? And I said to myself, okay, top ten. I'm gonna buy myself a Porsche. So I wrote nine, 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 nine 11, 911 on my uh, on my golf ball. Took the whole time. So every time I put it down. So I was actually playing a game within the game. I mean, the big picture was obviously the US Open, but I was playing a little game. So I was focused on on the smaller game, which is a Porsche. So I wrote, sorry, 997 it was, 997. So I was playing, I think the first, I can't remember what I shot the first round, 71 maybe, 72. And I was like top 20, well that's okay. So the next round I shot 69 and and all of a sudden I'm top 10. So I said, okay, now I'm top 10 after two, two rounds, top five. Top five, I'll get a 997C4, uh, which is a career four, you know? So I, visual, I was visualizing the paintwork, the silver gray, uh, dark leather inside, the red capillars on the brakes, and I was visualizing all the stuff. So once again, I was, the US Open's there, but it's like, no, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna buy my Porsche. <laughs> And then um, the third round, I'm like, top four. thinking, okay, shh, jeepers, I can actually do okay here. But I didn't think about winning until the last nine holes. So going to the last round, I changed my car, or well, the same color, but it's a GTS. <laughs> uh, and then obviously I won, so I bought it. I remember visualizing, you know, during the whole week, especially the last last uh, last two days on the, on the weekend you know uh, everything about it you know it, it, was, it was quite funny
1: oh, that's such a great story that's <laughs> that's so funny there's a guy Sean White he's like the greatest ever snowboarder and his thing for winning the Olympics was he was going to wear a certain outfit when he got the gold medal and it was exactly like you um, <laughs> you just said oh that's, oh that's a great place to we might finish it up there but um always love to get one little bit of advice I'll just make sure that cameras one I guess one bit of advice or yeah one bit of advice or something you'd like to see in the world or part you know pass on from your years playing golf and the wisdom from your grandmother and everything whether there's one thing whether it's the okay that message of the two hands or there's something that you think's just. Um... Uh,
0: I I I believe I believe that everyone on this planet has, or is talented at something. It could be music, art, sport, business, social media. I don't know cooking, whatever. Everyone has a particular talent on this planet. It's a matter of just finding it. And yes, you're going to come along. You're going to fall over. You're going to you know. It's like walking sometimes, or it is like walking or, or driving a car. You're going to make mistakes along the way, but you're going to, to, to find your passion. And I was lucky enough to find my passion in golf uh, at a very young age. But I just believe this: everyone's out there has a, a particular talent for something. Uh, that's one thing I've always been telling the kids every time I make a speech in front of kids, it's just that everyone has something that's very special, and it's all a matter of just digging in there. Somehow Spiritually or, or just Just thinking about it And you'll you'll find it You'll find your way
1: Beautiful Well thanks so much For um, sharing your talent <laughs> with, with us all And I just love Your enthusiasm Still for just Food and for golf and, and your energy I well, think it's I, just...
0: my, I think it's my, my my enthusiasm is just for life really mm. you know I think every time I come back home I feel energized again it's really cool how you know I haven't been home for a couple of years now I come home I feel like I'm, I'm you know 10 years younger because this is my connection this is my where I, where, I, where I was brought up this is where you know I spend first 20 years of my life here and, and this is where it made it it really made impact on me when I was, especially with my grandmother. You know, she died when I was 16 years old, and but she 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 instilled so much confidence with me and me, and and told me that I was going to change the world and, and all that stuff. And when I was 10 years old, and so that's what that's what really formed formed me as as a person today because of her and obviously of other people as well.
1: Oh, thank you for passing it on, Mike. Great right. time. Thanks, time. Cheers, with mate. Pleasure. Good stuff. Well, so grateful for Michael's time, what an episode, love all that wisdom from his grandma and his purpose and passionate life that he's living and sharing, and so excited to see him play the New Zealand Open this year, if you are too, make sure to check out my Instagram page to win tickets, and we'll try and get some rounds of golf in there, at Arrowtown and potentially Jack's Point too, just talking to both those courses Would love to play both of them myself. I've heard Arrowtown's just one of the best and uh, Jack's Point, Michael Campbell's favourite, is meant to be just a world-class course, one of the top tracks in New Zealand. So, so much golf and goodness down in Queenstown. Would love to help share it with you. So check out the page to win tickets and potentially some golf rounds as well. And I guess the real message from this episode is to find your passion, your purpose, take action on it which is something I'm just a firm believer in. So get after it. Much love. Thank you for listening. Hope you dug it. Think less. Experience more.